Welcome to a Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy K Fings. What's happening? What's happening? This is episode 13. If you've been following the episodes or if you happen to give a fuck, uh, yeah, it's, it's episode 13. And we're going to go ahead and get right into it. Mm-hmm. Um, question. Have you ever wondered why? You know, it'll be some chick from your town. She might look kind of cute, look pretty good. And she has these professional looking photos. Like these professional looking photos when usually the chick is half naked or um, they got like some photo, like a legit photo shoot. And you just like, huh? <laughs> like it's almost like everybody wants to be a model nowadays. Every mm-hmm. every chick that looks above average thinks she's a model, especially on Instagram. And every girl want to be a model and every nigga want to be a rapper. Yeah, right. It's sad. <laughs> but but here's the thing. This is the, this is why we're bringing this up. We started noticing a trend of photographers trying to exploit girls. Like, they they try to get them half-naked. They try to get in their Mm -hmm. pants. And the only reason why they get these girls to take these photos is the woman, for for one, the girl is, like, her her ego is out of control. And she already thinks everybody wants her. To make it worse, you got a photographer that's thirsty as fuck. But he's acting like he's this artist. So you got a bunch of these photographers... Not only in Bakersfield, but all kind of places that take these photos in bad taste. Like, they don't give a fuck about these girls. They're just trying to get in their pants. And I came across a ton of photographers that do this. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's really low. It's a disrespect to art, to the art of photography. Yeah. Photography is an art. If you want to take pictures of titties and ass, then I mean, hey, more power to you. You know, but at the end of the day, it's like you're not... I don't know. That's not really building your resume. It, yeah. it it's actually it's just like a it's a it's a slap in the face of somebody that's like legit going to different scenic scenic views and taking pictures of mountains and families and animals mm. and and when they take pictures of beautiful women, it's not in a bad context. Yeah, it's always like of a beautiful woman, like maybe eating a sandwich or something just random or walking in the park. It's not with the girl with her legs spread open yeah. or some fucking, you know. So it's just fucking corny. Yeah. I would have to question you, too, if you call yourself a photographer and your whole page is just filled with girls in bikinis. Thank you. Because there's certain, like, if you want to be a photog- like a real photographer, a professional photographer for a magazine or something, you're going to be doing stuff with girls with their clothes on, different Thank fashion st- statements and stuff like that. And you're also b- going to be taking pictures of guys. Thank you. So if you're just taking pictures of girls, it's like I, I like I can tell what you're you know what you're doing. You have this you know objective of trying to get in these girls' pants most likely. And like you said, I I know when I was in school in New Mexico, there was um, a girl I knew that used to take pictures with this photographer. Um, I don't I don't remember his at name, but his name was like Brian or something like that. And Brian was the the guy that was taking pictures of all the girls. You know that you know he probably he probably went up to him and you know sugar coated whatever uh, message he slid in their DMs with basically telling them like oh you're beautiful you should take some pictures and look at my work on my page and then all of a sudden like you know he's taking pictures of every single girl yep. in uh, Las Cruces and one day I was scrolling through Twitter or something like that and somebody like basically added him and said like this dude's a creep um, this. <laughs> This dude, uh, you know, basically saying what we're saying. He's just exploiting these situations and stuff like that. So, yeah, man, you got to really watch out for these uh, 
quote unquote photographers. Yeah, it's just, it's bullshit. <clears throat> Another thing too, ladies, don't get don't let a guy come up to you and butter you up and say, "Hey, I'm an artist. Look, check out my page. Look at my work." If if he, if he legitimately if he's like a legit photographer, look at all his stuff. If he's mm. just got chicks with their asses out and bent over and tits out, don't fucking go take a picture with this clown. Because yeah. that, that's all he's doing. He's just trying to exploit beautiful women. He's just trying to fuck them. Yeah. I mean, and the thing about it is, is, think about it like this. This is why I really don't compliment women. I know this sounds bad. But a guy that walks up to you and says, you're beautiful. Usually whenever a guy says that, there is a motive immediately behind that. Like, uh, oh, you're beautiful. Hey, um, I was wondering if you'd like to have lunch. Or, oh, I was wondering if it... it's never something genuine. Mm-hmm. So for the most part, I, when you just have dialogue, if you're really trying to get with a chick, just like talk to her, have a general conversation. You know, stop trying to compliment her just to butter her up just so you can keep lying to her. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of times I think that a lot of women are not receptive to compliments. And the reason why they're not, because they know what's going on. They know that a lot of times men are being nice to them just because we want something. Yeah. That is the only fucking reason why. But if you're a photographer, you kind of break that barrier down because now you're like, hey, you're beautiful. I think you should take pictures. Uh, you know, would you be interested in taking some pictures? Now he complimented you and followed it up by being a professional. Mm-hmm. You know, so now you're like, oh, maybe I should. You I know, never thought of that. Never thought of that. That would be cool to put. And then. <laughs> Every, every chick that's, that's like above average looking is going to take a million fucking selfies anyway. So why not post some professional looking ones, yeah. you know, for no apparent reason? Yeah. It's like, dude. For a girl, I think, you know, if you're out there and you genuinely want to do some sort of photography, um, go find a gay photographer. Yeah. <laughs> you want to try to get in your pants and you'll be you're perfectly fine. Yep. That, and that's a great point. That's a great point. Because mm-hmm. there, there are, I'll, I'll tell you that honestly, like, honestly, if you got 10 men lined up, maybe only two of them won't try to fuck you. <laughs> All the other eight are going to try to get some pussy. All of them. Just being honest. That's a crazy statistic. It is, man, but it's the truth. If you got 10 guys, right? Mm-hmm. And they're all photographers, literally only two of them are going to be professional out of the eight. Because the other eight, they might act like they don't want it. And then as time progresses, they're gonna be they're gonna be trying to get some pussy. They're gonna be trying to do some slick shit. So if you did have a gay photographer, you, you know you would film or a female photographer. You know that would be better. But, mm-hmm. but then you got to be careful because she could buy, she probably could be a lesbian or bi. Mm-hmm. So you don't know you don't know what anybody's um, you don't know what their um, their plans are with you. Yeah. Just be careful. If you don't, if you don't have any real ambitions of being a legit model, don't take these fucking pictures. Yeah. Just don't take them. That's real. Don't take them. You're better off having your your drunk homegirls take pictures of you, the same ones you post every weekend. You might as well just keep posting those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious where this whole model trend started. Like Instagram. Yeah. Usually there's there was like at a point there was a, um, I guess it happened in rap too. Yeah. But you know Instagram. Instagram and SoundCloud is like the equivalent of, you know, like models and rappers. Like yeah. as soon as the flood, they just open the floodgates for like these different people. Cause when we were, you know, when we were growing up, I, I know that, um, people that we considered models were always like, um, like a stereotypical person. Mm-hmm. They were always tall, like six, you know, at yeah. least six feet five, tall, eight, five, nine. Yeah. Um, like a Tyra Banks or something like that. And, um, you know, they just 
you could just tell they just look like a model. They presented themselves like a model. And now there's these girls on Instagram. They like five two, trying to be models, and it's just like there's nothing wrong there's with nothing that. Wrong, but it's yeah. just like it's just like we've we we grew up custom to certain girls being models, but now it's like everybody um, can be a model. You know what? I, I think what we could consider this culture is the fake culture, and the reason why I say that is because you got these models, but they got fake asses. Right, mm-hmm. they got they they and they taking pictures of tea, like promoting some tea, I don't know some diet tea, um, like ads on their page. They got fake asses and fake lips and fake everything, mm-hmm. and it's thirst trap after thirst trap after thirst trap. And it's like this ain't modeling. I don't know what this is. Yeah, but it's like what you got to understand is is like. A person that builds a following on tits and ass, you are a one-trick pony. That shit's going to run out. Because as soon as your titties and your booty start sagging and your looks start fading, you ain't making no more money. So mm-hmm. I think that it's 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 just bad. It's a bad way to represent yourself. And the funny thing is, is somebody I brought it up one day to somebody, and it was like, uh, well, I mean, that's their life. They do what they want. I said, that's true. That, that That's their life. They can do what they want. But the, the issue with it is this. It's like being an actor and every role you can accept is like only a gang member or a cholo or some shit. Mm-hmm. If you want to get into, if you literally want to get a big role in a movie, you'll never get it because you're just a cholo to them. They don't give a fuck about you being in a, in a, in a, in a serious movie. Mm-hmm. So it's like you are one trick pony. You basically take yourself out of the conversation of being taken serious in any business. Yeah. So I think that... Um Another point too is that, you know, there, there, there's, there's a difference. Kind of like you mentioned, there's a difference between art and pornography. Yeah. And what these Instagram models are doing is like walking that line of yeah. like art and pornography, where they'll essentially be naked and they'll blur out their nipples, or they may barely cover their vagina with a leaf or it's some like, emoji or something. And you're just like, like. Like what is this? And you know, and the thing about it is, is like we're we're speaking about this very objectively. Like it's like we just we're not fans of it. Like me and you have that in common. We're not fans of of women doing this. Yeah, I'm not judging a woman for being half naked, but at the same time, it's just a, it's a bad look in my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's like, look, you might as well if you're gonna just you might as well just show your fucking vagina. Mm-hmm. Go get paid to get naked. You know, you you literally rather you might as well sign up and try to get. You, I don't think these girls actually could get in Playboy. Probably because they don't fit the Playboy. Um, I don't know. The yeah, play- you need a certain aesthetic. Yeah. To yeah, so, yeah, exactly. You can't have no big old fake ass and do Playboy. Yeah. You know, but you might as well do play do uh do something. Uh, fuck it, do porn. I mean, you, you <laughs> you're knocking on porn's door. You might as well fucking do porn. And I'm, and I'm sure I'm not I'm not trying to say these girls are like prostituting themselves, but they have linked a lot of these women with these profiles to prostitution. That's not me making it up. It's, it's the truth. These a lot of these women that are on there with, with half a million followers. With this booking information, there has been athletes that have gotten into trouble and had these girls, and these girls were. Like professional prostitutes. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, I can see it though. Oh so yeah, it happens. And this, yeah, that's, that's not cool, man. So mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's, it sucks. You, I mean, all these. You think, and if you got three hundred thousand followers or half a million followers, then the only guys that are really gonna be able to pop you are athletes, athletes, actors, guys like that. Yeah, a regular DM won't even get through. 
No, it won't. Especially if you're not following them. So. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Horrible, man. Yeah. It's just in bad taste. So, yeah. before, uh, before we move along, just FYI, if you're a chick and you look above average and you know you're kind of hot and the guy approaches you with some shit about uh, taking pictures, just don't fucking do it. Yeah. Don't waste your time. Yeah. All right. Moving along. Uh, before me and Keith started this podcast, it, we had, you know, a pretty in-depth conversation in regards to, you know, have you thought about a podcast, this and that, and the third? And I was like, yeah, you know. And then we just, we went we went all in, and then um, we started talking about what we wanted or what we seen this podcast, uh, what our projections of the podcast were in the future. And honestly, I do feel as he that this will be a very successful podcast. The following is not as big as it, you know, can be, but it's it's brand new. And a lot of people have a short attention span. And this these podcasts last over an hour, uh, commonly. Uh, but to make a long story short, my goal for this podcast is to have ads on here. My goal for this podcast is to start interviewing people, um, uh, public figures and locally or people that also have other podcasts or, you know, whether it be a fireman or somebody like that. Uh, we definitely are going to start doing interviews. So interviews, um, obviously growing the following um, and talking about more things that you want to hear about. Like me and Keith talk about the things we want to talk about all the time, but we also want to hear uh, more from people that follow it. Because I know there's a lot of people that look at shit and don't say anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I encourage you, if you're listening to this podcast, inbox me on Instagram because some of you guys do, which is awesome. Inbox me on Instagram or write a comment on the on the, the fucking episode on the channel. Mm-hmm. Write write a comment below there and we love to get back to you. But ultimately we want to grow. Yeah. There's no point of starting some shit if you want to if you want to be stagnant, then don't even get involved. Mm-hmm. I I got involved with this with this here and I have a busy schedule, but I look forward to this day every week because I'm Giving someone something to listen to, I'm providing you with something, and I'm not asking you for shit. I'm not asking for nothing. So, uh, that's my take on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those things are, you know, pretty much in line with what what I want as well. You know, just grow the following, get more, you know, more interaction with people, bring um, more people, you know, in here, and you know, start to you know build a dialogue with your certain individuals. We have, you know, we have a lot of people here in Bakersfield that are successful athletes, successful YouTubers, successful, you know, um, actors and stuff like that. So it would be dope to, you know, grow our following enough to where we can start bringing those people on board. Because right now, like we're not doing like we're obviously growing, but we're not. I think that it will. I wouldn't say we're not doing anything, but it will be easier to get a hold of those people if it's like, oh, these people have like, you know, 500,000 views on all of their videos. So, you know, it's definitely, it will help me as well, as much as it will help them to, you know, go on on their show. So that's uh, definitely one. And then another uh, aspect that I'm, you know, really interested in is um, once we get a different setup is to, to, to uh, introduce like the, um, the video aspect of it, because um, you know that's it's something that a lot of people watch the the videos of you know certain podcasts, and I think exactly. like it would be it's it's always cool to attach a face or you know 
an emotion to, you know, whatever we're saying, if we're joking about a situation or if we're, you know, having a, you know, a, an emotional dialogue about yeah. a serious topic, it's always, you know, it's always good to see. It's like a Bible with pictures. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, Mo, is he Moses or no, it's like you know you read the Bible and you open it up yeah and it's like a big huge picture of Jesus and he's like mad and you're like mm -hmm. whoa whoa let me keep flipping this page is it the black Jesus or the white Jesus uh, I guess it's like uh, Puerto Rican I don't know what it is <laughs> that's the funniest skin. one they be having a they be having a Hispanic Jesus <laughs> <laughs> Jesus walking the streets of Jalisco oh <laughs> Oh man, you know that always confused me. You know, I went to church, yeah, and you see this big, huge picture of a white Jesus, and everybody in the church is black, mm -hmm. and you just like, all right, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't know, you really don't know how to feel. Yeah, you just kind of, you just like a kid. Just, let's just go with the flow here. <laughs> you don't want to look at your dad or your mom like, mom, why is Jesus white? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. got to send your prayers to black Jesus. Oh man, right. The, the black Jesus got dreads and everything. He like Jesus' phone bill be off. Some, like he didn't pay the phone bill sometimes. So he just go straight to voicemail. But black Jesus live in the bear. <laughs> he got dreads. <laughs> Jesus Christ had dreads, so shake him. He from Vallejo. Yeah. Oh, dang. E40 knowing. He's like, matter of fact, E40 uh, be like, matter of fact, Jesus Christ was my homie back in the day. <laughs> We used, to, we used to chill over the block over there in Vallejo Street. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ had dreads, we'll shake him. <laughs> hey, I wish we had that as like, uh, you know that those buttons that Joe Button presses? Yeah, like the little DJ things. Yeah, I just want to be talking and just press the button. G, 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 Jesus Christ had dreads, we'll shake him. Dang, we need to up our technology. Yeah, we got to up it, man. We, we got some primitive technology here, man. We are like one step above like um, uh, uh, 80s technology. Yeah. You know, like a, uh, <laughs> remember those producers that had those little sound boards mm -hmm. with the big squares on them? Mm -hmm. And they'd be making beats. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> a whack <laughs> drum loop. <clears throat> That's funny. Yeah, man. Uh, we we, we want to grow the channel. Yeah. I, I think we both made that clear. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to continue to do this. There's mm -hmm. some people that got back to us and I appreciate it, man. You're like, hey, man, I really like your podcast. I think that's good to know. It's not to, it's not to, you know, um, pat myself on the back or boost my or uh, boost my ego. My ego's not like that yeah. at all, yeah. at, at all. Yeah. I know I'm an average guy, but I think that's my strength. I know I'm an average guy, and I just want to uh, display that on the podcast. Yeah. And I also want to talk about things that you know, commonly people don't talk about. Or they don't feel comfortable talking about. I'd rather bring that up here on the podcast. Yeah, I've said some things on here that normally I would that I'm not going to bring up in an everyday conversation because most people don't feel comfortable even receiving that information. Yeah, like last the last podcast we talked about fucking sending and receiving nudes. Yeah, a lot of people don't want to talk about that. They just want to say I've never done that. Oh, so I never would do that. Mm -hmm. Nah, man, you know you didn't send some titties to somebody. Damn. <laughs> Somebody didn't send your titties. Somebody. Somebody. That somebody is me. No, I'm <laughs> nah, but yeah. Oh, what about um, your personal goals? Oh. Like just about, you know, what you want to do as far as maybe some different businesses or stuff like that. Oh, well, 
since you're asking that question. Um, my objective is this. I don't really like to speak too much on it, but I do intend on working for myself in regards to the trucking industry. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, I'm hauling fuel. I've been doing it about a year now. Um, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a damn, it's a pretty good gig. Um, but eventually, I do want to um, have a truck or two of them and start off small. And um, I have to determine what I want to haul whether it's, you know, asphalt, dirt, rock or whatnot, or it could be from that to possibly gasoline. Who knows? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and once I do that, I just want to, Lord knows if I'll have kids or not. I don't know that, you mm -hmm. know, but if I do or I become get married or whatever the case, my family won't have to want for anything. Yeah. I, I'm doing it. I'm not doing it to buy a fucking Lamborghini. I'm not doing it to you know, have some new hot whip or car or house. I'm doing it for security purposes. That's it. Yeah. You know, I'm a very humble guy. So that's one of my goals is to legitimately run my own shit. Yeah. Another one is to grow this podcast. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, growing this podcast would be awesome because it's, it's hard to grow something like this, especially in this, in this era where people don't recognize you until you make it. And we just have this platform. We, we're starting off with just this. Like, people say, oh, Joe Rogan's podcast is awesome. It is. He has a great podcast, and other guys have great podcasts. Uh, Tax Stone and... I'd make a Tax Stone in jail. Yeah, but, I mean, it's still... It's, <laughs> it's, yeah, I know, but it's, it's got nothing to do with his podcast. It's a pretty good podcast. He doing podcasts from prison. Yo, peep this. Yo, peep this, man. Somebody told me they was going to put money on my books, and they lie, yo. Oh damn, he gonna get shot. Yeah, Tax Stone, if you come across this man, don't don't hurt me, brother. God bless you. Black on black crime gotta stop. Anyways. But yeah, these guys have pretty good they have pretty good uh podcasts. Yeah. But the difference between a lot of these guys, not all of them, is they all had they came from a different platform. Um Joe Rogan was on Fear Factor and he does uh, commentating for UFC, so he already had uh, a following before he created the podcast, so they all basically they all basically floated over to the podcast. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Charlemagne got uh, Breakfast Club. Um, they followed him from over there to the podcast. So I'm not taking anything away from them, but what me and Keith are doing, we're starting from the very fucking bottom. Yeah, which is difficult, especially when people don't give a fuck about you. Some people see me post stuff and they probably like. Oh, I wish you would shut the fuck up. Let me keep scrolling. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that sounds crazy. But hey, people do that. They're just yeah. like, oh, I'm Eddie again. Fuck it. <laughs> it's all good. Oh, that's hilarious. It's all good, man. I know how people think. I'm not mad at that. It's oh, not too funny. I'm not mad at that, man. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, uh, that's some good stuff, man. I think for me, um, the I have, I want to do a lot of stuff and I won't you know spend thirty minutes talking about all of it. But my most immediate goals are like film related. So currently I'm writing a, a script that I want to shoot um, here in Bakersfield. And um, some of you that follow me on social media have seen me post like um, images of the you know the first page and some of the scenes and stuff like that and like the progress that I've been doing and. Um, <clears throat> I'm kind of I'm kind of infatuated right now because it's one of the most difficult things that I've I've done, 
it's writing a screenplay is, you know, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of thinking and you know what I mean? Um, and I, I'm up for the challenge and, you know, I really want to, you know, I really want to make something profound and something that touches people, um, and tell a story about, um, a town that, you know, me, Eddie and I both grew up in. And I think, um, <clears throat> I think that, you know, I think it will have that impact because I, you know, sometimes I'll just have conversations with people and I, I'll run, you know, certain scenarios by them and, um, they'll be like, dang, man, that's like, you know, that's, that's real or that's, you know, something that I've experienced myself and, definitely, you know, it's kind of one of those things. And, it, you know, it touches on a lot of themes. It's, it's really, um, it's really a, um, like a specified film. It's a film about black people, um, about black people raised in a certain area in California, which is like not too, not too many people know of, you know, when you think of California, you think of like, you think of Los Angeles, you think of San, San Francisco, um, you think of San Diego and stuff like that. But the, the culture that, you know, started in LA as far as like the gang culture and stuff trickled throughout California. So, um, although like the, the gangs, that are in LA are probably known worldwide, but a lot of those same crip, crip gangs and blood gangs trickle down to a place like an hour and a half away from, you know, LA. So oh, definitely <clears throat> that's part of like, you know, you know, it's sort of like, sort of like telling the world what Bakersfield is like, along with telling a black narrative about, you know, what it takes to be successful when, you know, what goes into the decisions that, um, or what the results of the decisions that you make when you're, you know, a young black kid growing up in a place like uh, Bakersfield. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's what it's pretty much about. And then, you know, after that, I want to do, um, I have a lot of, like, superhero stuff that I want to do. I love I love Marvel movies. I love, you know, the, you know, the DC characters as well. So I want to, you know, create my own world of, like superhero characters and try to put like a a new spin on you know some of those things because a lot of those characters were made in the freaking 40s and 30s and you yeah. know those are the same characters that have been around yeah. for forever so gotta be more modern man they gotta start yeah. growing with the times yeah so we gotta start somebody laughed at me when i said this on facebook which i don't have currently have a facebook right now but i said like i think we're ready to see like you know more latino um, superheroes, more black superheroes. Yeah. And the reason why I say that is it's nothing wrong with white superheroes, but literally that's like 85% of comics. Like, yeah. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And we've had literally no problem with that, mm -hmm. like at all. But I wouldn't mind if they created a Superman movie, or excuse me, a Spider-Man movie and they used the Latino instead of the regular Peter Parker. Because what, he, what it does is not only, ch it doesn't change the character, which is Spider-Man, but everything you knew about Spider-Man would change because... Uh, Latinos are, is, is, are very like cultural people, not only the language, the food and, and, you know, everything else, it would just tell a totally different story. It's like having a black, uh, whether it's a black Spider-Man or a black Superman, it would just change how you looked at the movie. Mm -hmm. And it's certain characters, you know, you obviously, you wouldn't want to just jump in and change, you know, but at the same time, it would tell a different deal or you could just create new characters mm -hmm. like you mentioned. Cause man, it get old seeing the same motherfuckers, man. Mm -hmm. Cause it's 
these same characters that are coming out in these movies now were there before my father was born. Yeah. So, yeah, man, we got to do something. Because honestly, the new Ant-Man movie that's coming out, or it came out, I'm just not interested in it. My dad was like, he's like, yeah, I want to watch that, but yeah. no shit, you're old. You want to watch that shit, you know? <laughs> but <laughs> I think, you know, I think, like, kind of like you said, like, sometimes, you know, we'll sit in a movie and the previews will come on for a movie that's coming out, you know, a few months down the line. Yeah. And well, I'll be like, man, that's, you know, it's a, you know, usually like a fresh take on, you know, people with superpowers or, you know, people with electricity coming out of their hands or fire, you know, breath or whatever. And I'll be like, dang, I wonder what that is. And and I think everyone is like intrigued by that idea. And that and these are like fresh new uh, characters or like, you know, fresh um, new concepts that yeah. um, no one has ever seen before. The only problem with that is that. Like there's a film at the end of the day, film, film, making films are a business. So if someone is going to if some company is going to fork out one hundred and fifty million dollars to make a big budget um, superhero movie with a lot of CGI and a lot of explosions and paying, you know, the the uh, the most popular actors in Hollywood, you know, uh, like eight figures to be in the film, they're yeah. going to want uh, a sure bet, and a sure bet is to make something off of source material. Yeah. But um, at the same time, like you know, people are out there, and you can, you know, you can make uh, cheaper movies, um, and they can still be good movies, and you know, you can still get those same results if you, you know, you put um, if you just make a good movie. You know, what yeah. I mean? a good movie is a good movie, and people will watch it. Definitely, definitely. Um, and here's the thing. What I've learned, especially talking to Keith, I told him, I said, man, I want to try my hardest to write a script. And I can't even, like, make the time. Like, I wouldn't even know where to start because it is extremely difficult. Yeah. There are a bunch of rules you got to go by, all kind of shit. There's some people that talk about, man, I could write a better movie than that. Like, look, it's a dude, he walk in the room, right? Like, no, that's not how you write a fucking, that's not how you write. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. There's all kind of rules you have to follow. There's all kind of different. There's there's different things. It's, it's not as simple as you think it is. Yeah. Like I would never like, especially talking to Keith. I would never assume that I could just, you know, be even being an actor is not as simple as people think it is. Yeah. Do you know how many motherfuckers can't act at all? Like it. Like they'd be like, yeah, I want to be an actor. And you'd be like, all right. And they got the most confidence. They got the most confidence. Like, oh, I'm way better than Will Smith. And like you, and then they don't be shit. <laughs> and you know what, too? I'm going to say this. We live in a society that overrates themselves. <laughs> Motherfuckers overrate themselves too much. It's like, bruh. Yeah. And the way people act, like, they, they make it like, they make it like they have to butter themselves up mm-hmm. or they're not confident. Mm-hmm. First of all, true confidence is, is being self-aware. Like, me... I think I've mentioned this before. Like, I'm an average guy. And at the end of the day, I, I embrace that. And it doesn't make me weak. It makes me it makes me strong in a way. Because I know what my strengths are. I know I'm not this, you know, super handsome guy. I feel like I'm average looks at best. But it's motherfuckers that are actually ugly that be thinking they look great. It's like, dude, <laughs> wake up, motherfucker. Did you look in the mirror? <laughs> You got you like a buck tooth loser. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about right yeah. now? So, yeah, people overrate themselves too much, man. And they put themselves in positions they shouldn't be in. Mm-hmm. Like, being self-aware will only put you in so many places. You're not yeah. going to be uh, a person that's five foot one saying, I should be in the NBA. 
Like, you know you too goddamn small. Yeah. You can't even hold these guys' nutsacks. What the fuck are you thinking about you're going to go to the NBA? That's like, crazy. It's the truth, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, minus the nutsack thing. But hold my nuts. Hold my nuts. Uh, I'm seven foot one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be that short guy playing hacky sack with somebody's balls. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds crazy. Yeah. Um, moving along. All right. Um, I'm sure most of us have had, it doesn't have to be a teacher specifically, but anyone in a leadership role, uh, that played a pivotal part in your life, whether Mm -hmm. it was a football coach or a pastor or a fireman or a police officer, somebody in a, an authoritative position. And, and with me, um, I feel there was probably, there was two people that really stood out that really, really stood out. I had a teacher when I was in the fifth grade named Mrs. Rupert, and she was albino. She was a black woman, but she was, like, white. And that was around the time that movie Powder came out, I believe. So people used to, like, laugh and shit. But, and I was one of them. I was a dickhead. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> she didn't take any shit off of me. I was a fuck-up when I was a little kid. I was always looking for attention and mm-hmm. always cracking jokes and laughing at people and just being a dickhead, right? And she contacted my parents one time without me knowing. We had a parent-teacher's conference. And I knew I fucked up. My dad was pissed off in there in that room. My mom and dad were just very disappointed in me. And I was getting bad grades and shit. And when that, when they asked me what was going on with the teacher, I kind of, like, brushed it off. When, before they met my teacher, I kind of told a lie, like, you know, like, she's mean or this and that. And then my dad was like, no, nah, we got to talk about this. So he was already about to go see the teacher. But then she called a meeting before he could get one. Yeah. So they came down and she and and she had a specific interest in me because she didn't want me to be some dumb black kid. Mm-hmm. And that meant a lot because she the thing about it is this. She from the old school. She was old, older than my pops. She probably was at least 10 years older than my dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was like, I can't sit here and allow him to be running around, not getting his grades right and doing all of this. Like, I'm not going to have it. And then they then was basically the teacher and both my parents teamed up on me and I couldn't fucking budge. Yeah. And from that day forward, as a young man, I learned to be self accountable. Like, you know, I knew what I was doing, but at the same time, when you're a kid, you're so, you're so into your own little world. You know, you basically playing with fucking Mario and Luigi. You are just not in reality. You mm-hmm. just being a dummy. So that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I learned to be more self-accountable. My grades went up. Everything was going great. And she became one of my best friends, uh, although she was my teacher. And when she decided to leave um, and and go to another school, um, it kind of hurt me. Like, it, it kind of hurt me because it was, it, was, it, was a, it was a really different experience. I went from not liking this woman at all to like literally her being one of my friends. Like I could go to the campus, be walking around. I haven't seen her like for a day or two and then go up and give her a hug. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. that means a lot to a young kid. Yeah. And then when she just left, like I just told my parents and I was actually really fucking sad about it. Yeah. You know, um, that was one teacher. She was awesome. Um, and then another teacher, uh, Lehman King, um, yeah, rest in peace. He passed away. He was a teacher in Delano, California. Anybody listen to this? If you're from Delano, um, if you ever had Mr. King as a teacher, you were very privileged. He was an awesome guy. 
He's very nice. He was very, he was like real loose, but he can be firm at times with the with the with the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he encouraged me to go out for the track team, and um, I never ran no track, but I was a pretty athletic kid, and he figured, you know what? Let me let me get this kid out there and see what he can do, and I ended up winning the hundred meters. Um, me and my sister both took first place in the track meet in Delano, mm-hmm. and I was literally the fastest kid in Delano, and this is in 1992. Yeah, 92. And I know some of you guys were not even fucking born yet, but yeah. <laughs> that was 92. Were you born in 92? Yeah, that was the year I was born. Oh, God. Nigga, you was a fetus when I was running. <laughs> <laughs> I was running in embalming fluid. Yeah, you was running in, man, you was, you was in this swimming around. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that, that really encouraged me to be competitive. Yeah. Uh, as I got older, you know, um, obviously I played sports. I played football. Um, uh, not not much basketball. Only a year of basketball in high school. But uh, football, I was on the track team. I, mm-hmm. But I didn't run. Uh, and <laughs> I was a thrower. So I threw shot put and discus. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those things came from, you know, learning a competitive edge at a, at a young age, learning how to be competitive. And Mr. King, uh, he taught me that. And uh, also knowing his athletic background and him and my parents got along great. And, you know, it wasn't very many black families in Delano. It was mainly um, Hispanic and Filipino. Mm-hmm. And I was one of the only black kids there. And it had a huge impact on me. I don't think he gravitated towards me just because I was black. But I think it, it did it did help uh, us have that communication, you know. Um, but, yeah, it was, that, that definitely, he was, those two were definitely had a huge uh, impact on me. Yeah. Um, I think for me, I don't, um, I just want to like shout out a couple or like a, a handful of teachers. Um, uh, some of my favorite teachers, um, Mrs. Barraza, she was my sixth grade teacher. Um, um, who else? Mr. Coles, he was my biology teacher in high Mr. school. Mr. Coles is cool as hell. Yeah. Shout out to Mr. Coles. Um, who else? Shout out to Bakersfield High, by the way, BHS. Yeah, um, that was a couple. That was a football football coach. I, it's like I'm completely slipping, like I can't remember his name. Um, and then Mrs. Hooks. Mrs. Hooks was one of my, or Mrs. Johnson that I had. She was like I think she was my first grade teacher at uh, McKinley, or she yeah first or second grade teacher at McKinley. And uh, Mrs. Hooks. Mrs. Hooks. Mrs. Hooks. Mrs. Johnson was really interesting because. She was like, she didn't take like no non, like she didn't take nothing from no kids. So she was one of those teachers that, you know, it doesn't matter like what your parents say. It doesn't matter what the principal says. She was like, she was like genuinely like disciplining kids, like grabbing them by the ear. And like she was, she was doing probably some illegal stuff. But at the end of the day, like she was doing it to, you know, um, help the, help the kids. She wasn't doing it just because she wanted to be abusive to people. Like I think she genuinely wanted to help help these uh, kids out. And then Mrs. Hooks was another one. I think, I think for me, just seeing like black teachers was, was an interesting thing. Um, and I felt like they, I'm gonna say they cared about me more, but, um, they actually showed like an interest in my life. Like Mrs. Hooks, um, she was my third grade teacher at William Penn. And like her son is an actor. Her son is her name, his, her son's name is Brian Hooks. 
and at the time he he was um he was doing a lot of stuff in Hollywood um he did the movie he did a movie called Three Strikes and um I think around the time that that, that movie had came out he was um you know still floating around and stuff and I told I had told her that I seen the movie. I probably the movie is rated R. I probably shouldn't have seen the movie at all in third grade. <laughs> but uh, I seen the movie and I told her about it. And uh, I don't even know how the connection came about or if or how I learned that that was her son. Um, I think I think it was it was just uh, yeah. I don't even know how that came about. But one day she brought her son to school and I think he he ended up getting me like an autograph or something like that. And it was just like. It was just like stuff like that that you you know you remember for the rest of your life, um, just like gen- you know people genuinely caring about you, and um, yeah stuff like that. And then probably like you know as of recently, my favorite um, professor in college or one that had a, a huge impact on my life was uh, Mark Medoff, and Mark Medoff is like um, in. The playwright community, he's one of the, you know, one of the best to ever do do it. He has a, a Tony Award. Like, if you walk to his house, he has a freaking Tony Award just sitting at his house um, for a play he wrote. Um, I think it's called Children of a Lesser God. Um, so, yeah, he wrote he wrote that play, um, and he won an award. And I think they turned it into a movie, and he even got uh, nominated for an Oscar for that uh, same movie. And... Um, I almost got I got in his class by accident. He taught he taught an advanced acting class. And what happened was um I just needed credits to graduate. So I was taking pretty much like any classes that I could that would, you know, help me get my degree on time. And I was talking to my counselor and she was like, Yeah, I'll just throw you in this advanced acting class and, and me, like I'm you know, I'm really like um an introvert and you know, I don't really care to be in front of the camera. <laughs> And acting in front of people, so I was like, man, I'm not doing that. But, you know, at the same time, like, it's only so many classes I could teach. And um, so, you know, she put me in a class, and I show up, and, you know, we kind of introduce ourselves. And I was like, oh, okay, this guy's pretty cool. And, um, you know, we kind of go through go through the stuff. And what, what he essentially did was um, he just, like, instilled confidence in me. Because when I walked in there, I was like, man, I don't really, you know, I'm not really an actor. I'm just kind of taking this class just because. And, you know, he would he would tell me like stuff all the time, like, dude, you're going to you're going to be a really good actor. And, you know, he was telling other people this, like, you're going to be um, you're going to be a really good actor. And I was, you know, talking to certain people about you and stuff like that. So, like, you know, that really that really um, changed my perspective on you know the way I was going through film school because someone that has a Tony Award and has worked with numerous um, numerous uh, numerous you know successful actors um, is telling me you know you know the same same sort of thing like you know that I could be yeah. he, he didn't say I could be as good as him but he just t- told me that I could be a good actor so it was uh yeah it was pretty cool and he's like you know to be so accomplished he's like a super humble person so like just talking to him about stuff and you know just the way he, he's like a really um he's a re- like he's a really profound speaker and the stuff he says and the way he goes about you know just um analyzing scenes and you know talking to actors and stuff like that is is it's really it's really a, a a great experience so he definitely like you know changed um the way that I look at you know look at things as far as film 
I think even even if you there's a there's a um, a video where Neil Patrick Harris is talking about Mark Madoff, and it was really crazy. It, like it it kind of blew my mind. He was like, "Yeah, uh, Mark Madoff. He I don't know if he gave him a shot or what happened, but." Um, some play or something they were doing, and Mark Madoff was, you know, one of the directors of the play, and he and Neil Patrick Neil Patrick Harris is talking about, you know, how he got his start in the business and how you know Mark Madoff helped him out. So it was really, it's really just crazy. That's what I would say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. A lot of people got their starts in um, very uncharacteristic spots. You mm-hmm. think of where Jim Carrey is? He got his spot from In Living Color. Mm-hmm. A lot of if if you're not old enough to remember In Living Color, that was a show by. Uh, I think it was produced by the oldest Wayans. I forgot. Is that uh It's not Damon. I, huh? What is that with an I? No. It's Keenan. Keenan. Keenan Ivy Wayans. Yeah, Keenan Ivy. Yeah, Keenan. Keenan Ivy Wayans and um, <laughs> and fucking Jim Carrey's role was uh Fire Marshal Bill. I think is what it was. He's like, let me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> he was always blowing up and shit. And he was a hilarious character. And Jennifer Lopez was a dancer on that show. Mm-hmm. And she that's back before all the J-Lo craze. And she made her start from that show. Mm-hmm. So the J-Lo you see today that's a multi-millionaire and extremely successful, she was on there dancing. So definitely. That's yeah. definitely cool. Another thing, too, what really, what really um, made a, a break for uh, J-Lo was fucking Selena. Yeah, you know, without that Selena movie, ain't no J Lo, man. Mm-hmm. And you know, we had a uh, we, we I think I never, you know what? Actually, I did put that survey. I said, who was thicker, Selena or J Lo? <laughs> Selena was, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Heck yeah, man, she was super thick. But anyway, yeah, I think, and you know, um, we kind of brought this topic up to to kind of um, bring up the point that you know no one makes it on their own yeah there's people along the way that you run into that can kind of shape you know shape the way your your career goes someone you know just a a good teacher a good mentor um, a good mentor a good you know coach or you know anything like that you know even in football you always have that one coach um that you know just instill confidence in you and, and you know allowed you to make mistakes and you know, he didn't yank you out every time you made a mistake. Or even if he did yank you out, he 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 told you like, "I'm yanking you out right now, but I'm gonna throw you back in the game because we need you to win." Or you know, just little s- simple stuff like that can, you know, genuinely you know help you uh, succeed in life and in you know whatever you're doing. So definitely, and you know what's funny is is um whenever I'm doing a workout that's really hard and I want to give up, not only do I not want to give up. Because, you know, I'm relying on myself. But I think about how much my old coach used to run the fuck out of me. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't quit. And just those situations that you're put in by people that you, you know, that you look up to or people in, in, um, in, in positions of authority, they can help you later in life. Yeah. Because I remember... What, what kills me now is when I'm at work and it's hot outside, I'm sweating, I'm doing all that. The reason why I just take it and I'm just, it's whatever, is because I remember practicing twice a day in over 105 degree heat, two a days with pads, full contact, okay? Mm-hmm. So if I can do that, I can do anything as a man in life. And I, I credit that not just to playing football, but having a, uh, a figure 
like him. Shout out to Coach Tim Hartnett. Anybody that knows him, if you know him, I'm shouting him out. Great guy. Um, he, he brought the best out of everybody on that team. Um, we won Valley that year, man. Yeah. You know, um, 2001-2002, Drillers, undefeated, 13-0, baby. And I have never experienced something like that in my life. I've never been a winner to that in that capacity. Like, yeah. going to Bakersfield High School, if anybody is not familiar with that, it's like literally the cream of the crop in football. And you expect to win a lot of games, but to win every game, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy. And we won every game that year, did not lose one game. And we had an amazing coach. Everything was fun. Practice was fun. Even the running was fun because we'd be tired and about to die out there. And then somebody like a throw up, uh, we all started laughing. Like we found joy in these situations because we had a great leader, mm-hmm. you know, and it just, it, I don't know, it just kind of pushes you later in life, either to be that authoritative figure t- for someone else um, or to just a- achieve goals in your personal life. What uh, what was what was one thing that you know uh, Hartnett kind of preached to you guys, or what is one thing that you remember him? Big team, little me. Yeah, we had a T-shirt that said "Big team, little me." It was a it was literally the words written out. It said "team" in big block letters on the back of the shirt, and it said "me" in like almost microscopic letters, mm-hmm. which meant everyone meant something. Let's take myself out of the equation. This is not about me. This is about the team. And you could apply that to anything in life. Um, If it's your family, it's about your family and you're removing yourself from that. You just learn that being a selfless person pays you back more than being a selfish person. Mm -hmm. You know, the only time there is okay to be selfish is when you're self-improving and that's not really selfish. If you're trying to get in shape or you're trying to get education and you need to you need to uh, have a certain amount of time to study and all that. You have to be selfish in that because you want to achieve that goal. Hmm. But ultimately, when you're dealing with family, when you're dealing with your wife, your girlfriend, anybody you're close with, it's better to be selfless because you're going to get that back. Hmm. People are going to they're going to confide and have trust and you're going to be more of a reliable individual if you are a selfless person. So big team, little me taught me how to be a man. And that was a great experience. Good stuff, man. Uh, Moving right along. All right. Whatever you do, whatever you do, and you're trying to master anything, I just think you have to take time to understand that nothing... Rome wasn't built in a day, mm-hmm. you know. Um, of course, fucking not. I don't know who came up with these sayings. <laughs> of course, Rome wasn't built in a day. Bakersfield wasn't built in a fucking day. Anyways, <laughs> you have to be patient in mastering your craft, whatever it is, whether you're a welder, whether you're an actor, whether you're an artist, whether you're a teacher, you could you progressively get better. It's all about progression. You don't get so much information and then that's just it that's all you're gonna get if you the only time you should stop learning is when you die you should always be receiving information and growing that information to uh make your make yourself more well-rounded 
So if you're trying to master your craft in any way or any capacity, you have to understand um, that you're going to have to be patient. Mm -hmm. Just like we're doing this podcast, you know, I feel like each week we've gotten more comfortable and it's became more natural to do this shit versus the first one we did where we're like, you know, we're feeling, we're figuring each other out. Like I've known Keith more than half his life. Okay. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Doing a podcast is, a, is yeah. a different story. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Keith might blurt out some stuff, and I'm like, oh, we can't say that. You know? <laughs> you know, I don't want Keith to just blurt out like, you know, I love big booty hoes. And I'm just like, hey, man, I can't say that. Big booty hoes might be listening. It might be offensive. We stereotyping <laughs> big booty hoes. Big booty hoes don't want to love. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, that's real, though. I think... Um, Kind of, I was telling, I was telling my guy uh, DJ um, earlier. We were talking about. Um, kind of goes back to screenwriting. I was yeah. telling him that um, a lot of people that I know and a lot of people that I went to school with, they write play screenplays and they claim that they want to be screenwriters, but a lot of them don't like read screenplays or read books about screenplays. Mm-hmm. So, how much could you? Um, how good could you be at writing a screenplay or doing anything if you're not actually learning the, 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 the different techniques or learning from, you know, the people that have done it, you know, at the highest level. So, um, you know, in whatever you're doing, and, and one thing that bothers me about a lot of photographers here in town is that they don't take the time to learn about photography, they don't take the time to learn their camera. They don't know, like, the ISOs. They don't know, you know, the focal lengths and stuff or what that does to an actual image. Um, and, you know, some of them just go out and shoot. And it's like, that's cool, but there's a lot of techniques and there's a lot of, you know, composition. And um, it's just a lot that goes into it outside of just, you know, pitting the, the you know, the, the button to flash the camera. Thank whatever. you. So... That's that's one thing, you know, it does, you you can call yourself whatever you want. You can have a passion about whatever you want, but I I like the people that will go out and learn the techniques and, you know, learn from, you know, screenwriting and storytelling is thousands of years old, if, if probably longer than that, probably since we can verbally communicate, people have been um telling stories and you know the the techniques haven't changed over the year they're they're still like these basic necessities that a story needs and um if you want to pursue that as a career you need to understand that and you know just kind of with everything like me and you yeah you there's i guess the way to get better at um podcasts is to you know kind of go over what we want to talk about um talk about what we did good talk about what we did bad talk about um what other podcasts are doing good and what other podcasts are doing bad. So, you know, we, we constantly, you know, every week we're, you know, trying to, every week we're trying to, um, you know, better ourselves. So, you know, that's the, that's the thing. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I think that, um, you know, we just, whatever you want to do in life my 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 older brother always talks about um seeking knowledge from the cradle to the grave so i think you know that's like some of the wisest words you can you can have you know what i mean whatever you whatever you're doing you just 
You just want to, you know, constantly, continually keep getting better at it, whether it's a sport, whether it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a video game, whether it's YouTube, um, whether it's, you know, skits and stuff like that. The thing, like I started working with these, um, these guys that do like skits and stuff on Instagram and and YouTube and stuff. And the, the thing that I appreciate about working with them is that they genuinely, um, want to learn stuff and you know I, I obviously went to film school so when it comes to talking to them it's like they're like yo what is this or like why would they do this or why would they do this and I'm like well this is like you know a certain technique where you put the camera here or you know this is how you record a a dialogue scene or this is what you do when you edit and stuff like that and you know they're they're pretty open-minded and you know I'm just saving them you know a hundred thousand dollars by not going to film school so congratulations. Wow. Congratulations! Damn, no, I'm just playing. It's not. I'm not like a teacher or nothing, but you know, I just share, share as much as I can. It's a lot of money. Yeah, it's not. You don't pay. You know, it depends on what school you're going to. But hundred thousand dollars. Somebody's that's somebody's having sex for that much money. <laughs> what? Oh man, <laughs> definitely. It was sex for a hundred thousand. That's some, that better be some mind blowing sex right there. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Um, to your point, yeah, you brought up uh, the other podcast. Mm-hmm. Just not only watching them, um, but just anything, any anything in general uh, to get better uh, communication. Um, I see some podcasts where people constantly cut people off the whole time. That is cutting each other off the whole time they're talking. Oh yeah, and the whole podcast is just yelling and screaming. It's like, dude, we're all grown men. We're grown men and women, and we should have enough respect for one another to. Uh, speak and stop speaking when need be. Yeah. If you notice something on this podcast, me and him don't cut each other off. And if we do, then I'll just stop. Be like, hey, you were saying something. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, dude, why are you gonna fight with somebody you got a podcast with? Yeah. You know, it's. it's I, I mean, it's it's all about learning, uh, learning and growing. Mm-hmm. Um. So I would strongly advise if you're doing anything. If you, okay, like you mentioned earlier, um, this is what I wanted to bring up. You brought up, uh, if you want to, you can't just take pictures. You obviously need to have some background, learn about these different ISO and different, okay. For example, I was, excuse me, I was, uh, (laughs) I was at a wedding and my buddy that got married hired a, uh, for photographers. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, they took a lot of pictures. Yeah. I took one photo at his wedding. One photo. And then I get a comment underneath the photo saying, hey, my wife wants this photo. She likes this photo. She really likes this photo. I'm thinking like, all these people that fucking get paid to take photos. And she wanted mine. And I took it with my phone. Mm-hmm. But I stood back a certain way because I know my homie is tall. He's like 6'5". So I stood back. I took it at an angle. I took it when they were literally looking at each other. They looked like newlyweds. They genuinely looked happy. Mm-hmm. It was a great day. Um, the dude, the little, the, um, uh, the, uh, the, the, what's the little food cart was down there, down the bottom step. Yeah. Like everything just looked really good. So I was like, I got to get a photo. I, took, I snapped a photo. Posted it to the gram, and then his wife was like, yo, like I like this photo, you know? Mm-hmm. So it goes to show you, you know, I don't know shit about photography, but evidently I took a great picture that yeah. she loved, and the people that she hired 
if you're a model out there and you want to get butt naked for a photographer, hit up Eddie. Oh yeah, we gonna we gonna make some money off of that. <laughs> I just need a uh, I just need a little non-disclosure. Comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happens after this, I can you know just sign this, please. Yeah, just sign this. <laughs> That'd be terrible. We talking about these photographers, and we be just oh man. Five weeks later, <laughs> yeah, that's not cool. Hey, but you know what? This is this is just totally random. I don't understand the whole strip club thing. Why would you pay women to get naked and you actually throwing money at them mm-hmm. when you can get that for free? Think about There's it. There's something. I'm be real. I'm broke, but. <laughs> <laughs> if I had a lot of money, I would probably go more often. It's something euphoric about being in the strip club for me. Really? Yeah. I, it's nothing euphoric for me. Yeah. Because it's like, with me, I, I'm I'm more I like the I like being engaged with a one on one thing mm-hmm. where I'm not throwing money at titties. Like I'm actually sucking on them. Like I'm. You know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like being teased and. Uh, p- paying all my money, yeah, for that time, you mm-hmm. know. So I don't get it. I don't get the whole stripped up thing. Like guys like being teased, I guess. Yeah, most like it. Not and anytime I've been to a strip club, I'm just there. Like, are we there? Are we done yet? <laughs> and then, what makes it even more awkward is when you know the chick that's naked on stage. Oh, y'all oh, went to junior high together. Oh my oh, god. god hey, you know what? This is a random story, but this this honest. Honestly, this genuinely happened like probably about probably about five, four years ago. I say four. Mm-hmm. I go to a strip club. I don't want to give the name of that strip club because I don't want to have any bad press, you know. But um, going there, we're hanging out. Me and my buddy. It's before he went to uh, NFL training camp. So this is easy about four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they shout him out like so and so going to the Green Bay Packers and everybody all the strippers stood up and clapping and everybody's looking at us and then I got butt naked strippers jumping on me trying to give me lap dances and I'm like hey I ain't got no money like he going to NFL I'm not going to NFL no get your butt off me get your butt off me but anyways later on that night a chick's up there and she's completely just stark naked I'm just watching the show. She sees me and is like, hey, like waves high to me. And I thought, I look behind me. There's nobody behind me. And he's like, hey, when she got done dancing, like I said, hi. You didn't say, I said, hey, how you doing? How's everything going? I went to school with this girl. It was literally three girls there that were stripping that I went to school with. I was just like, fuck. Bro, that's crazy. That's the thing, too. Like I went to, I went once with one of my friends and we walked in and his cousin was in there. Oh, no. <laughs> That's like incest, man. You got to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> she just put her clothes on and was just chilling. But uh, yeah, it was it was a, it was a strange it was a strange one. I think it was his birthday too, so that was uh that was pretty years was pretty weird. a couple years ago. Um, a couple years ago, before I got into trucking, I worked uh, with these girls, and there was three of them that I worked. Actually, hold on, one, two. There was four, mm-hmm. and all three of them were strippers, part time. And they say, you got to come check us out. I never went to check them out. Because I like, you know, I'm pretty sure I know what you look like naked. You look pretty good. And I'm not going to spend my money on that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to spend my money on that. It is, a stu- it is a stupid way to spend money. Yeah, I work too hard, man. I risk my life driving a truck that's filled with gas all day. I don't want to get off work after risking my life just to look at some titties. I'd rather, like, 
You know? Mm-hmm. Just not my thing. Yeah. But, as we were saying, um, in closing on that topic, if you're mastering your craft in any way, shape, or I don't form, even know how we made that. <laughs> I don't hey, know man. how we got to the hey, strip club. That's every common. every topic that every topic we bring up, somehow you could bring up titties, and it's totally okay. That's real. That, yeah, there's <laughs> a girl that there's a couple of people that I know that have like stripping poles in their house, and yeah, they um they say it's good exercise. Yeah, you know, essentially they're just mastering their craft. So there, there you there you go mm-hmm. exactly. There's a girl that I know. I'm not gonna say her name. Um, she looks amazing, by the way. She lost a lot of weight by pole dancing. Mm-hmm. She was never really fat, but she had put a little weight on. And she is a professional. Um, she is an instructor of a pole dancing, and she has a huge following. Hold on. Matter of fact, I will give you the numbers. You should she, shout her out. I, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know if she wants that. I can. Yeah, public Instagram. That is true. That is true. Hold on a minute. Hold on a free minute. Pub. She'll get like five extra followers. Okay. Woo! Yeah, she has 67,000 followers. That look crazy. Yeah, her name is Anakia Jackson. She is very beautiful. Um, and she does pole dancing, as you can see. Look at that video there. <laughs> Y'all can't see it, but she look like... Yeah, she is, is she is hot. Shout out to Anakin. Yeah, like as you can see. <laughs> she kind of sexualizing it. Well, of course she is. This pole dancing. What is she supposed to do? We said exercise. This is exercise. That ain't no exercise. It's, it's exercise. <laughs> She's just dancing on a pole. Dude, this is not. She got her. That's dude. not an exercise. She bro, got her cheek. She nah. got the pole in between her cheeks. That bro, ain't no exercise. No, nah, bro. It is. She be doing core exercises where she. Like she stiffens her core on the pole and like lifts up and is dude. I'll give you guys her Instagram. Just look her up. It's Anna A N A A no it's A N N A underscore Kia K I A underscore poles P O L E S. Bruh, nothing about her page says you will lose weight doing this. Yeah, you will if you do what she's doing. I'm saying you will, but she's not promoting exercise. She's just like promoting. Dancing, well, she's she doing something right. She hanging out. She got with, her cheeks out. She got a picture with Ludacris. She doing something. Yeah, yeah. She mastering her craft. She definitely did because she used to be a. I guess she used to be a trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's doing her thing. She is a what does it say? Nightshade Design and Pole Smart. She got a website too. Poleconvention.com. Like this is some big time shit. Yeah. So you guys thought I was playing about the pole shit. And I gave the IG. So hopefully, you know, she gets some hits on that. I hope she does that. And I hope you... I want to meet a girl that's genuinely doing it for exercise, though. I feel like there's a a hidden agenda, usually, when it comes to girls that want to do these these pole things. Because, yeah. If you... That's not exercise if you have... If you got... Yeah. Just look at her page and then, you know, you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah, she's hot. But we'll go ahead and move along here. Alright. Oh man. This is this is like very important to me and Keith. We have to be very mindful of what we're saying. And you know, sometimes we go off on a tangent and say some stuff, bringing up, you know, um um pole exercises and titties and stuff. But you know what? At the same time it kind of goes in with the podcast. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is it's all about being mindful 
of what you say when you have a platform. You don't want that shit to come back and bite you in the ass. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of guys, I see them say reckless stuff. And a lot of times we see, um, whether it's the George Lopez, George Lopez's and the Snoop Dogg's and whoever, whatever like that, we look at everybody's platform and we just take things from them. Mm-hmm. We, won't, we won't say who's saying this and who's saying that. I don't want to go there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, I might be rubbing shoulders with these guys, so I don't want to be the one that's talking shit about them. And then they're mm-hmm. like, "Hey, man, I heard you was talking about me." Yeah. You know. But I will say this: we've seen people with platforms that do a horrible fucking job. That's all we we're gonna say. Mm-hmm. They do a horrible job with how they deal with things. They talk about certain issues and they do it very one-sided. They're not very open-minded about it. They'll talk about whether it's um, a lot of it is directed at Donald Trump. A lot of it is like, oh, F this dude and F this and F that. It's actually, at the end of the day, it's kind of promoting hatred. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think that's not the right thing to do. You know, if you're giving content, emphasize on giving your content. If you stand up for something else besides that, that's great. But there's a certain way of doing it because context is important. It, you know, and if you're just saying any and everything, mm-hmm. just so people will be like, yeah, I'm, I'm with so-and-so. Uh, I don't know if that's a smart thing to do. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, kind of like how you talked about, there's a lot of people that are disgruntled for whatever reason, for, you know, stuff that's going on in politics, stuff that's going on in your community, stuff that's going on with your favorite entertainers. And then instead of, like, combating that with um, facts or trying to, you know, get a good discourse out of the situation, these people will just feed the feed into the negative energy. So, you know, if it's if it's a certain politician or whatever saying they hate you or they or you they do something you don't like instead of like having a real discourse like this is what we need to do to change. These people are like they start out by disrespecting the person exactly um, in whatever capacity that has nothing to do with politics. They may talk about um, how they look, how old they are. Exactly. They're, you know, wrinkly and exactly. washed up and exactly. this and this and that. And then they'll sprinkle in a little bit of actual facts about, you know, how the thing is changing their lives. Yeah, you, you just totally <clears throat> discredited yourself. Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, like we were saying, we have to be mindful of our platform. If we... If you want to talk about a situation, like actually talk about it and, you know, actually do your research and try to be um, unbiased as possible because that stuff, you know, that stuff, you know, a lot of what those people say resonate. And what we talked about, I, I kind of was like, man, I don't really care what such and such says. And, you know, that doesn't really have an effect on me or, you know, whatever Kanye West says is like, it doesn't really mean much. But I think exactly. the point that you brought up was like, these like it maybe you don't but you're an anomaly there's a lot of people out there that actually listen to yes. and you know wholeheartedly believe and you know whatever such and such says is bible whatever donald trump says yeah, is bible whatever kanye true. west says is like the bible so exactly um you know if you're if you're out there and you're you know you plan on becoming an influencer um you know just be just be mindful of that you have a huge influence and you you don't want to um steer people astray and you know you want to you know want to you know steer people steer people in a uh, in the right direction they're very true and you know what kills me too is whenever you see a like a uh, musician or actor or whatever talk about politics and it comes from a hateful way you got to understand 
you can't build anything on hate. So whenever, you know, people will be like, oh, F this clown or this or that or blah, blah, blah. It's just it's just getting a whole bunch of people riled up that already hate uh, a politician or our president or whoever. Mm -hmm. And it's just not it's not there's nothing productive coming out of that. Yeah. And here's the most messed up part about it. We'll emphasize more on this on a later podcast. But the thing about hatred is this. Some people can hate someone so bad. Let's use our president, for example. Some people can hate him so bad. Now, I'm not his biggest fan, but I won't say I hate him. I don't hate him. Um, but. <laughs> I don't know why that was funny. But <laughs> I mean, because everybody hates him. I think that's what it is. I've said some things about Donald, about Donald Trump, but my thing is, is I realize it's all hogwash at the end of the day because mm -hmm. I'm not adding anything positive. I'm just yeah. jawing at the mouth. When in actuality, there it does this doing nothing. I'm doing the same thing as everyone else. Now, I will say this: if Donald Trump does something great, I will notice that. I will say, you know what? That was awesome that he did that. I think that that's a great move what he did. But people hate that man so much that even if he was to do everything, like if everything contrary to how people feel about him, if he was to find a way to uh, um, have what it be immigration reform or whatever it is, and, and to, to completely, vastly reduce the amount of um, unemployment and things of like that, right? Mm -hmm. People would still hate him. They would still hate him because they have made it up in their minds and their hearts that they will hate him for their whole life. Yeah, That's the problem with, with these public figures is that when they feed people all this extra hatred, now you've brainwashed them into hating somebody for the rest of their life. If my thing is, I will get on this microphone and tell you right now, however I feel doesn't mean you should feel that way about something. Develop your own way of thinking. And, and however you feel about something wholeheartedly is how you should fucking feel about it. Don't let Eddie McGee get up here and say, you know what? I only buy Dunkin' Donuts because Eddie likes Dunkin' Donuts. Like, yeah. really? <laughs> What's wrong with fucking Krispy Kreme? You know what I'm saying? So Diabetes. They all give you diabetes. <laughs> Only difference is if you're getting Krispy Kreme diabetes or fucking uh, Dunkin' Donuts diabetes. I think uh, Krispy Kreme uh, diabetes is a little bit sweeter. Stage two versus stage one. Nigga. <laughs> Krispy Kreme give you stage five, motherfucker. As soon as you go in there, they're like, we got to cut everything off. You walk out with just a head. You, you know it's bad. You go in there and they say, you got stage five diabetes. <laughs> you go in there, doctor got a fucking chainsaw. You're like, oh, fuck. Heck nah. <laughs> you just roll around to get around town. Oh, man. Yeah, but hey, that that's my take on it. Um, we, 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 as in all of us, once, I, once me and Keith decided to have a podcast, we became a part of all of that, literally. We became public figures. I know we're just some guys from Bakersfield and nobody really gives a fuck. But <laughs> at the same time, we became those people. We became um, all the people you see on Instagram. We became all those people just because yeah. we have we are on a platform. We're not just some low-key guys. And if the podcast really blows up the way I want it to, then we're going to be those guys like, hey, there goes those black dudes, the ones from the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be like, yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, I think along with um, these more famous people, I think that 
you know, people on a smaller scale of aspiring to be these famous people have to also recognize um, that their platform um, is powerful as well. So there's people that I know that want to be film directors. There's people that I know that want to be rappers. There's people that I know that want to be whatever. And a lot of times these people tend to give opinions about, you know, whatever company they give you know stronger i've done it myself too i'm not like you know i'm not just talking exactly. out of you know nowhere but these people have also done it um but i'm you know i'm at least i'm self-aware that i need to you know go back and delete a couple tweets or whatever but these people you know they want to be directors and stuff and you know they're bashing dc movies they're bashing you know you know marvel movies or they're bashing you know actors or you know saying like um bashing the oscars and stuff like this but if you really aspire to be, you know, a director on that level, a director on a Steven Spielberg level or, you know, what, whatever, um, Spike Lee or whatever, um, how do you expect to actually get, you know, your films made if you're, you know, if you're trying to do films on that scale? You have to go through, you know, production companies and you have to go through these companies that distribute, that distribute movies. So if you're bashing, you know, a Marvel movie, maybe, you know, you potentially want to, you know, direct a Disney movie and, oh, they're going to be like, oh, okay, let's um, scroll through your te- tweets and see what, you know, exactly. whatever was that. Oh, you, oh, you're bashing the Star Wars movie. Ah, I think we're going to pass. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? Or if you, even if you're a, you're a musician and you're coming up and you're, you know, you got a little bit of a local buzz and then Drake drops his album and then you're like, oh, this album is trash. And then five years down the line, Drake is still, you know, pretty relevant. And you got a song that Drake want to hop on the remix of. And then all of a sudden they bring up an old tweet and it's like, oh, Drake's music is terrible. It's like, you know, you just missed out on the opportunity you to did. get a song with the biggest artist in the world. So it's just Trust like, and believe, <clears throat> before you do any collaborations with anyone, they're going to deep dive your shit. Mm-hmm. Cause they want to know if you genuinely fuck with this person. Yeah. Like if if like you know if you've been talking mad shit about Drake is whack, Drake is this. That's what kills me about even local acts mm-hmm. in Bakersfield. They'd be like, if you like Drake, you gay. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, what? <laughs> shit like that, you mm-hmm. know? And mm-hmm. it's like, all right, man. Like you you obviously have no plans of making it mm-hmm. in in any industry because you know you're gonna work. First of all, you're gonna work with gay people. So it's like you you just been homophobic, you know what I mean? And now not only are you talk about Drake, but you're being homophobic. That's like a double whammy. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> so you fucking yourself on all levels. So you just gotta be mindful, man. I've I've said it many times. And I know before this shit, I've said some shit on Facebook, uh or or on, you know, uh, uh really not not Instagram, but I probably said some shit on Facebook that I probably would need to take down or look at but we grow Mm -hmm. sometimes when we say this shit it was seven eight years ago when we our brain wasn't fully developed and we didn't like the way i think about shit now at 33 is completely different than when i was like 25 26 yeah like you don't stay the same you grow but people will use that shit against you man Mm -hmm. they'll find some shit from when you was 18 you could be like 26 yeah and they're like yeah well we see that you did this, so I mean, we can't work with you. You were like, damn. Yeah, I, that I know. For one thing that I did, um, that I was, um, I think LeBron James has a production company that does like YouTube videos and stuff called what is it, Undisputed or Uninterrupted or something like that. 
and essentially what they do is they you know they do like little small videos of different athletes sometimes they'll have Draymond they usually have athletes that you know uh, LeBron James respects or he has uh, some sort of relationship with <clears throat> sometimes they'll have like Draymond Green on there they'll have a uh, what's his name like Kelly Oubre and they have a uh, Joe Johnson and um uh, or they have like Rudy Gay on there so a bunch of different basketball players and sometimes they'll have different uh different podcasts and stuff all you know it's just a a, a growing production company and I'm a I'm a uh, Lakers fan, a diehard Lakers fan, and a lot of times, Laker Laker fans and LeBron James fans are like Crips and Bloods. Yeah, like we go to war like constantly, and whenever we see each other, it's on site. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, LeBron, blood. <laughs> the, 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 the blood, the bloods versus, I don't know, look, the Crips, I don't know, the Crippers. That would like sound like the Clippers. Hell no, <laughs> sound man. like the Clippers. No, no rock with the, the Clippers is like, um, man, what is the, the Clippers equivalent? The, I mean, what, what can you compare them to? Um, it's almost like the 49ers and the Raiders. Raiders is the low class. Then you got mm-hmm. the Clippers and the Lakers. Clippers are the low class. Then you got the Yankees and the Mets. Mets is the low class. Yeah. You know what so we know what the fuck is going on. The Dodgers and the Angels. Dodgers. Yeah, I think the Raiders are a much better organization than all those other second class organizations. Though. Which ones? The the ones you talked about, like the Raiders, as far as a franchise and a whole, they're like much better than the Mets and the and the. And the Angels and um, the Clippers. Um, I meant that in comparison to the beefy teams that's in the same city. Yeah. I feel what you're saying, though. Yeah. I'm not, look, Raider fans, look, don't take that out of context, okay? Yeah. I may be a Niner fan, and if you're offended, uh, you suck. Anyways, yeah, well, ain't nobody <laughs> worried about the Raider fans. No, but I said that to say that, um, you know, Go back to the point where I, I'm a Laker fan, you know, that, um, you know, LeBron James and, you know, Laker fans, we've always clashed. We're on Twitter arguing, we're on, we're on Instagram arguing, we're on Facebook arguing, and, you know, no one ever really wins. <clears throat> nope. But when uh, when I looked on their, pe- when I looked at the website, of, I think it was an un- un- uninterrupted website, I was like, oh, this would be a cool, like, they have like some, they had some open internships or whatever. I'd be like, oh, it'd be cool to, you know, work for this company and you know be a production production assistant on you know these different videos where they're filming athletes and stuff so i was like oh let me you know send my resume in there so i did it but i was like oh snap before i do that like let me erase all the stuff that i was talking about lebron james let me <laughs> let me go back to my tweets and delete some of the um, some of the things so i did that and obviously i don't have any real malice towards lebron james it's only in comparison to you know you know it's only in the context of the argument you know i don't go around just like hating LeBron James, it's not really, you know, it doesn't really consume my day. Exactly. But um, sometimes you'll, you know, sports is like a really competitive thing, and you know, being part of a, you know, liking a sports team is like, you know, it's a, it's a feeling you can't really describe. But you know, sometimes it bring it brings out the worst in you. Sometimes it brings out the best in you. And sometimes, you know, you got to go back and delete some old tweets to get a job. So <clears throat> they've been pulling up shit on KD for a minute. <laughs> He's. A, KD is the most hypocritical athlete. Yeah, the most. They be pulling up mad shit on KD. Oh, everybody want to play for the Heat now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I really, I, out of all the tweets, I really wish he would have said something about like LeBron's hairline or something. 
Because all fast forward to now. Fast forward to now. Mm-hmm. You can't look. It, LeBron's hair and Durant's hair. I don't. I don't think there's a clear. I think LeBron. LeBron got better hair than than, than KD. I would say. Kate, the, the the thing that bothers me about KD. He don't call it. Is he just don't care. It's like yo, bruh. <clears throat> I'm just like, that's as a as a black man. Black men, we really care about our hair. Yeah. You know, we we go to the barbershop constantly. You know, we make sure, you know, you got a cool edge up. You know, if you got lower hair, you're making sure your waves is dipping. You know, if even if you bald, you you take care of your hair. You yeah. constantly, you know, shaving your hair, putting uh, baby oil on your head so it can shine in the sun, in the sunlight. And yeah, um... <laughs> two things I didn't do because my shit's. Fucking, my hairline is fucked up, and I didn't. My head's not freshly shaved right now, and I don't put baby oil on my head. So all those things Keith said, just throw that out. But yes, but you know that that as far as a culture that that's our thing. We maintain our hair. But Kevin Durant is like anti anti, you know, establishment. He just like he like somebody having a riot on his fucking head. <laughs> that shit looks fucked up, man. Dude, I had the craziest situation one time. I was in, I was in high school, like my senior year of high school, and you know it was it was kind of popular then when you know Angelina Jolie was adopting these Africans and you know all these you know big celebrities was it? It just I don't know why they were doing that. Kind of strange, but you know yeah. all these people had these little African African babies. Why is it So um, yeah, that that happened, and then one of my friends, or I don't, I don't know if he was my friend, but he was one of my uh, football teammates. Um, he his parents, I think they they had adopted uh, you know a little black kid, and um, what ended up happening is like they're so like. There's so much difference about, you know, what like about how we take care of our, our hair. Like, I'm sure you've experienced, mm-hmm. you may have been brushing your hair in elementary school mm-hmm. and like, what are you brushing? Like, mm-hmm. shut up. I'm trying to get 360s. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, people don't, white people don't really understand what's going on with black hair. And they always got an opinion about it. Like, man, shut up. This is, this is what I want to do with my hair. <laughs> um, but um, so he, he, the, the, the guy, the adopted kid or whatever and his hair like they didn't know what was going on like they didn't his hair like looked like Kevin Durant's hair but obviously he had all of his hair because oh. he was a he's you know he's a lot younger he's a you know uh toddler or whatever um but it was like super beaded up oh, and no. um they didn't understand what was going on so like he sent he's it was like a group message too he sent he took a picture of the kid's head and he sent it to to us it was like, hey, I don't know, um, you know, if you guys know how to fix this, but he has these little knots in his head or something like that. And we didn't even respond because it just sounded crazy. But me and my <laughs> friends were just laughing like, bro, what are you talking about? Go get a brush. So basically you guys are assholes. <laughs> you should have helped him, man. I mean, he's just ignorant. Oh. And that's not his fault, really. You know, he don't know much about black people hair, but, you know. At the same time, it's like, man, I can't help you. He was reaching out, man. He was reaching out. We just, it was probably more so the fact that we didn't really like him already. So we just kind of 
Well, the African kid or the, the white guy? No, we don't have a problem. We didn't meet the African kid. We oh, yeah. <laughs> you just didn't care for the guy. Yeah, it was just like whatever. But you just figured because y'all was black, y'all could help him out. Yeah. Like, shut up, fool. Don't ask me those kind of questions. Oh, my God. How long ago was this? Go look on YouTube. Was that high school, junior high? It was high school. Oh, my goodness. So you guys definitely were assholes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was, too. Yeah, I bet. Damn. That should be like a... like. Like some bylaws that come with adopting a black kid. Yeah, yeah. I would, you know, that's a good point. But those bylaws, well, yeah, because a black. Not like a real one, just like a, yeah. like a fictitious, like, you know, use a brush. Yeah. Like, <laughs> buy some Murray's grease. Yeah, right. Um, Make sure you keep fresh oil to fry the fried chicken in. <laughs> Make sure you got fresh watermelon every summer. <laughs> we'll make sure the biscuits are golden brown. <laughs> Keep some cherry Kool-Aid on deck. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, you, what I don't understand is the... Uh, I don't understand the whole grape, grape soda. That shit is fucking nasty, man. They got us on that shit. I like but grape the, soda. Hold on. The chicken thing. Everybody mm-hmm. likes chicken. I don't know how we got stuck with the fried chicken thing. Because think about it. If you narrow it down, we're all eating chicken, right? Mm-hmm. Black people, fried chicken. Asian people, teriyaki chicken. Mexicans, grilled chicken. White people, bland chicken. We all eating chicken, man. We get stuck with the stereotype <laughs> of chicken, but the biggest fast food chain, uh, the biggest chicken fast food chain is owned by white people. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, just, we should, <sighs> and they don't even advertise. KFC doesn't really advertise to black people. Nah, Popeyes does though. Popeyes will let you know. You gonna love my chicken. You know, a black woman that's on the Popeyes. Hey niggas, <laughs> <laughs> we got this chicken here with all the spices. Love <laughs> that chicken from Popeyes, <laughs> niggas. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what uh, what's the old slogan? Louisiana fast. Yeah. Oh man. And people, you know, this is what I found stupid. They called Jerry Rice a coon because he did a Popeyes commercial and it had like a piece of chicken on his helmet. And it was like, look at this coon doing a fried chicken commercial. Motherfucker, if they offered you all that money, you'd be eating fried chicken on TV too. So shut up. That that's the thing that we have to stop. You gotta um, stop that. I think we have to stop getting offended by stereotypes, especially if we know they're not true. Exactly. Like, black people aren't gorillas, so... Yeah, right? You know, if... Wait, like, when the fuck was that a stereotype? That black... They, they equate black people to gorillas? Yeah. Like, you never heard of that? I've heard of them, uh, the monkey joke, but... <laughs> yeah. It's not as prevalent as the fried chicken. Yeah. I, I just... Well, you know, <laughs> it's... We see fried chicken more often than... They yeah. ain't no... They ain't no chimpanzees just walking around a you know, your alley or whatever. Yeah, ain't no chimps walk around eating fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> but they do call us monkeys. Yeah. And, and that, that sort of thing That's is like, true. like, especially now, um, it's more so offensive to bring it up versus like people actually calling us that. Like Definitely. that's not really like you know in our everyday conversation, people don't walk around calling us monkeys or whatever. Definitely. So we just kind of have to move past that. Like. Definitely. Like um, that was that was a thing in like how uh, they were in like Black Panther, and you know the Mbaku character is um, supposed to be like the great ape, or I forget his actual name in the comics or whatever, but. 
he's um he's supposed to be like an ape you know his whole tribe is you know essentially like you know full of characters that, that are like apes or whatever so and um a lot of people were starting to get offended by that but yeah. it's like first of all you know the director is black the writers are black and the whole cast is black, so we're not offending our own people. You know what I mean? Like we just got to kind of move past that stereotype. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, but you know it's kind of hard. And people don't let you. Yeah, especially your own people. Sometimes your sometimes your own people hold on to stereotypes. It's like we can't even move past, uh, you know, can't even move past certain things because you know our own people keep you know stirring up the pot. Pretty much stirring up the pot of gumbo. <laughs> Some red beans and rice. Oh, man. I kind of want some Popeye's. I ain't had fried chicken in a long time. Um, you know what? We're going to end this podcast on a very positive note. Um, we will say this. Never be afraid to share knowledge or receive it. Um, the reason why it's extremely important is because um, I may not know something, but you may know it. So by you taking the time to tell me something, it's awesome. And it's also the person receiving the knowledge needs to be open-minded enough to utilize that and grow. Because I'm telling you right now, I'm. It's let's say, for example, I don't know how to take a part off my car and I'm stuck. And then you come and say, hey, this is how you do it. This, this, and this. If I'm open-minded enough, I'll be able to achieve that and be like, thank you, man. Mm-hmm. And then when you don't know something, now I could reach back and say, hey. This is how you do this. So now we've confided in each other. We trust each other. We're sharing that information. And we need to do that more. Because the reason why this is actually even a topic is because there are too many people that are fucking Mm closed-minded. They don't want to hear nothing. They don't want to listen to nothing. And that's a problem. That's why it's important. Like, don't even... Sometimes you can't even have conversations. And you cannot have any debates... Because that person has made up in their mind before you talk to them that you're wrong and they're right. It doesn't matter what the fuck you say. It doesn't matter what valid points you bring up. You are wrong. If you tell them that grass is green, you're wrong. If you tell them that Burger King makes burgers, you're wrong. Because that's how people think. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you, if you have to also um, understand by sharing that knowledge with people or what you know... People may not receive it very well. So don't get mad when they don't want to listen. Just say, all right, fuck it. You're, yeah. you're going to die then. You know Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you don't want to listen. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, sharing knowledge is, it, it, it does, it, and it also shows a security about yourself. Like, you know, some people are insecure to the point to where they don't want, they don't, like they feel that if they're teaching someone something, then they might maybe take their job or they, there might, you go, you know, they might be doing better in life than they are, but Very you know, true. you know, sharing knowledge is like, you know, that's like, um, it should be essential to a person that wants to be successful. Very true. You know? Cause holding on to it, you're just going to die one day and it's just going to be stuck in a grave and you know, no one's going to, you know, ever know, you know, what you were able to pass on. Man, that was, that was a great point. Cause you think about some of the best athletes ever, Michael Jordan's and Kobe's and, <clears throat> Richard Sherman with the Niners, all those young guys that talk to Richard Sherman, he's taking them under their wing, telling them how to do this, and be like, no, 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 you don't do that. You back up, do this, da da da. Mm-hmm. And you think like, why would somebody this great be giving away all this free information? He wants everyone to be equally as great as him, and he's not insecure about 
them taking the, his place because he knows he's secure within himself. Yeah. So once his time is up, it's up. But he gave that information to people to make them better. Mm-hmm. That is a truly confident person. Like, it's people at my job. I tell them all kinds of shit. I'll be like, hey, when you get to this street, make sure you make a left here before so you get you can line up easier when you offloading fuel. Or if you go this back way so you don't get stuck, you could go here. I'm telling people all these things because in my mind, I'm sharing them this, these things so they can share something with me and they can feel comfortable with sharing something with me in case I need that information. Yeah. So it's about building that relationship. Mm-hmm. And then, and and based on that foundation, you guys can openly share information with each other. And I, I think that's it's very important. I don't give a fuck what it is, ladies. If you guys are into makeup, a lot of women, the makeup shit is big time. The eyelashes. I know some chicks that literally work for themselves doing eyelashes, bro. Like this shit is serious, mm-hmm. and they make a good living off of it. First mm-hmm. of all, mm-hmm. and they got so many people that are booked. Like I mean, they're, I mean, they're booked. Like they got, they got like appointments for over a week. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, shout out to Meliani. Shout out to Meliani. Uh, I seen that she did. Um, uh, uh, matter of fact, I'm about to shout you out because I'm, I'm proud of what she's been doing. You know, she started working for herself, and I have no idea about eyelashes, nor do I really care about them. But when I see somebody grinding, I gotta, I gotta, uh, I gotta put them out there. I think it's called lashes but let me go ahead and here it is right here at mink by mella so at mink m-i-n-k by mella m-e-l-a so if you look it up she'll be on there hit her up on ig you want an appointment i think she's in the los angeles area yeah she's in los angeles so if you want your eyelashes done that's what she does Anyways, going for it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Don't be afraid to share information. Yeah. And right now, I'm sweating like a motherfucker because we got the AC off. Uh, <laughs> kinda, I don't know. I got kind of disoriented for a second, man. <laughs> you know, I shouted out, shouted out the homegirl and then uh, just start sweating profusely. One thing you got to know is Bakersfield is hot as hell. Yeah, it's bad. So, we'll be out here like, psh, I'm trying to go to a beach. Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, but one one thing I do know, like you know, kind of like I like we talked about is uh, it shows the security about yourself. And uh, like for me, I, I um, just today earlier I shared some some of the like the books that we read in school and some of the books that um, you know are like bare necessities of you know being successful as a, a screenwriter. So um, I shared that with you know a couple of my buddies, and it's it's kind of you know under assumption is like you know. Maybe one day they'll go on to write, like, you know, uh, Oscar-nominated screenplay or whatever. But <clears throat> if you're secure in yourself and you kind of, you know, believe in what you're doing, it doesn't really matter. It, not that it doesn't matter what their successes is, but you're okay with them succeed, like, being able to succeed. And you're okay with them to, you're okay with them potentially being more successful than you are. Um and that's kind of the, you know, the, the, the idea behind it is like, you know, never be afraid. Even if it's like a younger, you know, a younger um, sibling or something like that. If you guys have a family gathering, you know, just, you know, talk to them and, you know, see where their head is at. Because a lot of these, um, like they said, it takes a village to raise to raise someone. So if um, if you're talking to, 
if you're talking to someone does it Keith? what does it what take a village yeah go ahead man sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> eddie just farted y'all no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so like you know you know in 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 us personally we can draw back to maybe an og in our life or you know an older person in our life that you know, maybe kick some knowledge to us about, you know, you know, being on your P's and Q's or going to school, getting your education or something like that. So it's, it's kind of a necessity to pass that, that type of thing along. Definitely. And if you have, and you don't have to have kids or you don't have to be this big brother or whatever. If you have, if you know something, then say something. Mm -hmm. I see little kids fucking up and I may not be a parent myself, but I think it's still my, my job as a grown man and an adult that if, if I see a youth going in the wrong direction, I need to step up and say something. I've seen two kids get in a fight. I broke that shit up and I said, look, you go that way and you go that way. I Stop talking shit to each other. You go that way and you leave now. Both of you guys leave. Mm-hmm. And because I was a because I was a parent figure, they listened to me. And then when they walked off finally and they was gone, I realized how much power I had as a man, mm-hmm. that that these kids would listen to a stranger that told them to stop. Yeah, that's why I have a huge problem with people taking out phones instead of stepping up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And kids recognize somebody they'll respect. Yeah. Okay. So as soon as the teacher walks in the room <clears throat> and he's like, "All right, class, so everybody have a seat," they already don't give a fuck about what you're talking about. That's funny. But when you go in that classroom, you say, "Hey." um, Everybody have a seat and listen, please. Like just being stern yeah. and 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 having this not so much an attitude, but being that authoritative figure. Mm-hmm. You know, kids should listen, but they're fucking kids. Yeah. I had some teachers I didn't give a fuck about, and I had other teachers that when they talked, I was quiet. Yeah. So it's always important, man, to not only share that knowledge and be that authoritative figure, um, but if you know something, say something. Uh-huh. Break up a fight, uh, give a kid knowledge. Like, look, I used to do the same shit you doing. Don't do that. Yeah. You know, you know, be smarter than that. You know, it, it's so many times I want to, I want to see kids and say something. I've told some kids that are smoking weed at the park. I said, look, man, your high school is down the street. They gonna bust you, man. I used to go to, I used to go to high school right down the street too, man. And you know, my buddies smoke weed. They got busted here like five times. Mm-hmm. I was like, look, dog, I ain't here to snitch on y'all. I'm just telling you, you need to leave so you don't get busted. Just go smoke your weed somewhere else. I know that's kind of bad advice, mm-hmm. but at the same time, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to say I'm trying to save them the grief. Yeah, you know. But I want to make one last point before we uh, we wrap it up. Go ahead, man. It is, and, and more so about like you know what what, what sharing knowledge comes with. Like, um, so there's like certain situations in people's lives where they may not understand why things are happening to them. So there may be a situation where someone has a terrible relationship with their dad or, yeah, you, you know, know, whatever. And, you know, I've, I've like learned some stuff in my life and I've, I've come to the realization that, um, there, there's like, life is just a cycle. Yeah. So the way that, you know, a certain parent treats their kids is only a byproduct of how they were treated when they, when Very they grew true. up. Very so true. sometimes when you're like 18 or you're you're 19 or 20 or whatever age and you're you're still young, you don't really understand those type of things. So you're only taking 
um, however you're being treated on the surface, even if it's, you know, like a relationship or whatever. So um, one thing that can help you um, get rid of certain frustrations or help you understand these situations more is just to understand, like, the root of these situations. Like, you know, like, oh, maybe my dad is angry all the time because you know when he was a kid he didn't really have that much love in his life and you know, you, he was, you know he grew up faster than a normal kid or exactly. you know maybe my mom doesn't know how to show love because when she was a kid she yep. was just you know she grew up fast and you know Definitely. she never really had a person to ever say she loved her so um that's very true yeah that's just kind of no that's a very great that's a great point and you know what? To bring that up, you also have to realize that your parents are people at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. They're people. And if you just excluded them from being your parents, you also have to realize what would your relationship be with the person like that? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and as you get older, you become more analytical, you know, mm-hmm. and you look at your parents from a different light. And when you're a kid, you almost feel like they can do no wrong, even mm-hmm. though they may not be the best. Uh, you just figure like, oh, they're my parents. Oh, they're my parents. But then you get older, and especially when they say some dumb shit, like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. my dad will say something dumb, and I'll be like, what'd you say? You know what yeah. I'm saying? You more or less will challenge it, or you'll see when they say something dumb or do something like that. But then you, it goes back to what you said. There's a root cause for it. They feel that way and say those things because of something that happened 40 years ago, something that mm-hmm. when they went through 38 years ago. Mm-hmm. And some people are not objective as me and you, Keith. I think that, you know, I'm not trying to make it like we're just like perfect examples of human beings, which we're not. We're the perfect physical specimens. Yeah, I'd be a great, great sperm donor. <laughs> um, <laughs> if anybody looking for some biracial kids, just let me know. I'll hook you up. Why do you have to be biracial? Well, they could be anything. <laughs> like, you know. Anyways, <laughs> this um, nigga Eddie got sperm for sale. Yeah, man, <laughs> bought a jug. <laughs> oh man, six two, dark, handsome. You straight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anybody want some uh some Wakanda sperm? Just gonna stop on by. Me and me and Prince T'Challa be here chilling, waiting on you guys to come through. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> oh man. Well, um to make a long story short, um there's a root cause like you said. Yeah. And uh I just think that at the end of the day um that's just how it is sometimes. So, so so it's sometimes the way people are are the way they were treated mm-hmm. or what they were exposed to. So it's no reason to just take it too personal. You know, at first you're going to take it that way, but as time progresses, you don't you, you expect less from your parents or from people when you actually realize what you know why they're a product of what they what they are. Yep. So that's all I got to say on that. And I and, and FYI, I'm really not selling no sperm, so don't be hitting me up <laughs> trying to be like, hey, where's this? What's the deal on that sperm you had? Can I get a discount? Yeah, no, no discounts here, man. You got a Black Friday sale. They got. They gonna hit you with a Groupon for for sperm. Oh man! <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Well, you got anything else to add on that? No, sir. All right. Well, we're gonna wrap this up. Not only because the podcast has been kind of long and we've elaborated on some things, 
but we also need to turn the air conditioning on because it is this like feel like somebody been boiling fucking hot dogs in here. Yeah. So we got to get out of here. But until then, uh, once again, we thank you for your support. Uh, this is the Truckers Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy K Fings. All right. God bless y'all. Peace, Peace. out.